0: Open-source software offers many benefits to enterprises and development teams, from cost savings to greater flexibility. But, and there's always a catch, open-source can also pose significant risks to application security. This year's State of Software Security report from Veracode finds, once again, that vulnerable open-source software components run rampant within most software. Hi, I'm Joan Goodchild, Content Director with IDG, and in Episode 4 of our podcast series, A Hard Look at Software Security, we'll discuss why enterprises still struggle with the occurrence of vulnerable open-source components within their software and what they can do to mitigate these risks. This podcast is brought to you by Veracode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. I'm joined today by Vice President Strategy with Veracode, Mark Kerfee. Welcome, Mark.
1: Thank you very much, Jen.
0: I'd like to start with that number I cited right up top. The survey finds 87.5% of Java applications had at least one vulnerability in a component. Now, that sounds massive to me. Is this surprising?
1: It's not surprising to those who have been around the industry and watched these sort of statistics come out year after year. In fact, that is a fairly consistent statistic. About 9 out of 10 applications have a significant problem in them. And it's also worth pointing out that it is not a Java problem, whilst that statistic is for Java. You'll find that it's a consistent percentage across JavaScript or other languages as well.
0: So what is the landscape of open source software today compared to internally developed code in enterprises?
1: Well, fundamentally what's happened is that the way we build software has changed. We used to create our own code and then we may have included someone else's as an adjunct to that. Today we start with someone else's code and then we build on top of it. So what's happened in the old days, we used to spend our time educating our developers on how to write secure code, running tools over the code that we created, and then running a set of checks before we would deploy into our own data centers, into our own environments. These days, we start with a set of someone else's code. And so instead of answering the question, is the code that I'm creating introducing new vulnerabilities, we now have to ask a different set of questions. The first one is, what open source code am I actually using? The second one then is, what does it do? The third one is, where did it come from? And then the fourth one, of course, is then, what is its quality? And so instead of us now being in control of the quality of the code that we are putting into our applications, we're now starting to rely on other people. And the fundamental challenge is we can't make the assumption that they have done the right thing.
0: So when you cite these factors, it sounds like open source security is an issue at most enterprises now. What are the factors at play here? Why is open source such a security challenge?
1: Well, everyone has embraced open source very, very rapidly, and for all the right reasons. We're all trying to ship software as fast as possible we're trying to innovate. And innovation means not rebuilding the same things, the same fundamental building blocks that our application normally requires. And in doing that, we've often assumed that we would get security for free. So a good example of that is in the open source world, there's a famous phrase that the code is going to have a million eyeballs on it. The reality in the real world is that doesn't happen. And so when you take the code for free, that doesn't mean to say that you get security that comes with it. Figuring out how secure that is and whether it meets your risk appetite is still your responsibility. What people now are starting to understand is that open source, while the code may come for free, using it itself still has a cost and that you have to bear that cost and figure out how to work that into your development lifecycle.
0: A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Vericode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. Let's dig a bit more into DevOps, specifically why the process of DevOps is at odd with security. Could you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, certainly. So, you know, DevOps for for the most part is around automation and collaboration. So collaboration between you know infrastructure and operations and developers, and really everything is driven around automation. Automation is very hard in the world of security where we have often context may is important in, in determining what things are secure. And security historically has also been something which takes time. So if you want to run a security scan, it can take a long time. And when we are building these automation pipelines, we don't want things to get in the way. So from a developer's perspective, it's often perceived as the antithesis of what they want. They want to increase the speed and reduce the friction of code flowing through the pipes. And unfortunately, security is not friction-free and does have some, some, some speed costs associated with it. So in the, in the offset, you may think about these things are actually you know, poles apart or, or at conflict with each other. But in the real world, what we've seen now is that development technology, security technologies have changed so that they can fit into those modes of DevOps operation. And that's part of the exciting thing now is that we're now seeing people rethink how they do security in these CI/CD pipelines, allowing us to provide security at the speed of DevOps.
0: Let's talk about the expression patch and pray. First of all, what does patch and pray mean?
1: Yeah, patch and pray means that, you know, this is a phrase that came out from when we used to have to patch Windows operating systems and things, and essentially we would find that vulnerabilities had been released in the wild that were being exploited, and we had to keep up with patching these things, and of course hope that we had patched them in time before other people had exploited them. When we've moved to this world of reusable code, Unfortunately, reusable code also means reusable vulnerabilities. And so we have to start learning, as well as how to secure the code that we're creating, how to patch and update the other people's code when vulnerabilities are found.
0: So how can organizations get on top of that?
1: So... You know, we've seen the, the largest data breach in history, which was, was, was Equifax, and Equifax, the Equifax data breach was ultimately a result of not patching a system called Apache Struts, which had a vulnerability, left a window of exposure, and the hackers exploited it. Now, you know, the reality of running enterprise software is is complex. It's not like we, we often read through textbooks and it's, oh, you just simply need to run an update. But as any developer will know, you know, these things can have complexities. Your application may, may no longer work. But there is technology and there are techniques today to keep these things up to date. And so it's really a matter of understanding the processes that have to happen in a DevOps cycle for security, one of which is updating libraries and making sure that you are not running your code with vulnerable open source libraries and just making it part of the development process.
0: What are some best practices for using open source libraries securely? Do you expect to see a proliferation of open source libraries moving forward?
1: Yeah, so we are certainly at the very early stages of hockey stick growth in the amount of libraries that are going to be deployed. Um, What we've seen over the last decade is a a technology called Git, a version control system, which is a distributed version control system, allows developers to take a piece of code, replicate it, and essentially we then have multiple pieces of code. We are now seeing one library that is then copied and becomes two libraries. Those two libraries get copied and become four and so we see this exponential growth. Along at the same time, we have the perfect storm where developers now have embraced DevOps and so they are releasing code more and more and they are also breaking large libraries down into lots of smaller libraries so they become more manageable. Our data scientist here, Dr. Wallace, did a study where he looked at the amount of libraries in Java, Ruby, Python, and some other popular languages. There are about 6 million of those libraries, unique libraries. I think it's about 30 million versions of all of those libraries. But what he saw in the data was that from the average Java library that was released you know, from, I think, last year, it was like four times. This year, it was six times. The average library that is being broken down from one library into about 11, I think, in the JavaScript world, And so his estimation, if we looked at this linearly forward to about a decade, is that we would have about half a billion libraries from the six million we're at today. So as you can see, we're about to face exponential growth, and the problem is going to become exponentially more difficult to figure out how to solve.
0: And so, for our listeners today, you know, some some great takeaways with regard to open source libraries. I mean, what kind of advice would you give in, in terms of, you know, securely using them, or or is it too early to really access them too often?
1: Yeah. So, so the first thing I you know I want to want to make super clear is that we at Veracode and, and myself are huge proponents of open source. It is a fundamental you know business model which has changed the world we build software in and has allowed. You know, as to have companies like Google and companies like Tesla and Uber and all of these companies that have built amazing technology on that open source development model, so we should absolutely embrace it. But as we embrace it, we just have to think about the security qualities that come with it, and then how we we inject the appropriate security quality into our lifecycle. What I found is that if you if you take a step back and you ask yourself four questions you generally can figure out how to manage the appropriate risk. So the first question is, what open source am I using? The second question is, where did it come from? The third question is, what does it do? And the fourth question is, what's its security quality? And of course, they're relatively simple questions to ask. It turns out they're very complex questions to answer. As for example, what am I using? When you go and build projects, libraries, invite other libraries that use other libraries, et cetera. But the great news is there is technology that can help solve these problems in line, in real time, inside of these DevOps pipelines. So it's really just a matter about embracing new ways of doing security for the DevOps world, for developers using open source code.
0: Great. Well, that is some great perspective to close out our podcast episode today. That is all the time we have. I want to thank Mark Curfee of Veracode for joining us. And you can check out vericode.com for more information about open source security and keeping applications secure. For IDG and Vericode, I'm Joan Goodchild.